All right, our verse today is Psalm 27.3. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. What did you all think of this verse? Every day, kind of did it speak to you? Well, like Virginia said, it really says what's happening in the world today. It certainly does. I can't even imagine what that feels like because I'm going to share a scary thing that happened and it just even doesn't come to compare to what happened with those people. I mean, that is just like crazy what happened, what's happening with them. Um, one of the things that I, that I, it made me think of is how the Bible refers to and the Lord refers to us as our sheep, as, as his sheep. So how many of you have kind of studied sheep and you know their characteristics, right? So I kind of looked up some things on them. I found out that they're prey animals. Well, you know that. You don't see the sheep attacking any other animals. They're the ones that are getting attacked. And so they easily frighten um, my, my little niece, Cora's daughter-in-law, they have some sheep, and um, they're cute, cute as all get out, but they are kind of little fearful creatures. Um, I found out they spook easy, they're sensitive to stress, and they fear. Hello. Anyone, can anyone else raise their hand? I spook easy, I'm sensitive to stress. And you're sort of cute. And I'm kind of fluffy. <laughs> and, and I have fear. Um, that they are emotional animals, so they can feel both positive and negative kind of energy. And they bunch up in corners together to protect themselves. I know I've grabbed a few to pull up in corners with me um, when I'm getting fearful. Um, they move best when they're not afraid. So they can move about easier if they have no fear. And um, they have no depth perception. So you don't either? (laughs) Sharon has no depth perception either. So shadows and the dark, they get afraid of. And I thought, here I am, one of those aged people with the crown of silver on them, and I still can get myself spooky in the dark, you know? Um, that they are emotionally, emotionally complex. Um, they can detect, detect changes in the faces of other sheep who are anxious. So they can look at the sheep around them and say, whoa, time to be anxious. They're anxious. Their heart rates will go up. And when they get afraid, they start running. I mean, I think if you don't, like, can't, kind of identify with some of that, one of those things, I'm like, oh, I don't know. You're not a sheep. I don't know what that says about you. Have you seen those sheep that when they get scared, they faint? Oh, yeah. They just kind of fall over. They're fainting goats, yeah. Goats, fainting goats. Yeah. Um, so one of my favorite favorites in the Bible is Gideon. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Judges 6, 11. And I am going to turn there real quick. I had to 
get my iPad charged. Judges 6, and it is verse 11. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but there are just some things in here that they say, that the angel says, that I just like endears me. So it says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Oprah, of course I'm probably saying those wrong, which belonged to Joash and his friend, the, I mean, Joash, the, wherever he's from, Aberzite, while his son Gideon was beating out the wheat in the wine press to hide from the Midianites. I love a man that's hiding, man after my own heart. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. You know, and I like it how God can call us what nobody else sees, but the Lord sees it. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And he goes on and said, The Lord bring us out of Egypt. The Lord has forsaken us and given us the hand of, to the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. And I'm like, I love it. You know, God sees something that we don't always see. And I pray that he sees those things in me as well that maybe I don't see and nobody else does either. I like this from uh, Priscilla Shire. So you guys know that she's one of my favorite authors and speakers and now actresses. So this is what she says in her book, Fervent. If I were your enemy, I'd magnify your fears, making them insurmountable intimidating you with enough worries until avoiding them becomes your driving motivation. I would use anxiety to cripple you, to paralyze you, leaving you indecisive and clinging to safety and sameness, always on the defensive because of what might happen. When you hear the word faith, all you want to do, all you hear is unnecessary risk. And that's what she says if she was the enemy that's what he would be thinking. Can anyone identify with that? Have you ever been in that place where you're so paralyzed, you can't move? So paralyzed that all you want to do is get to a same place, no matter what the Lord is calling you to do, you just can't propel yourself forward at all. And yet our Lord, like, like Gideon, he can look down and see that mighty woman of valor that we need to call forth in ourselves because that's what our Lord sees in us. When he's called us to do something, he's going to equip us to do it. So this whole idea of fear, um, I could so relate to. Remember last time I spoke, I told you guys that I think the Lord draws you to the verses that he's working with you the most on. So you don't have to get up and move around too much, but I want you to find someone close by to you and tell them about a time that you were paralyzed with fear. If I don't see moving, I'll have to assign you a friend. <laughs> paralyzed. You were paralyzed with fear. You can't remember time because you are that brave woman of valor, aren't you? 
Were you, were you ever a um, fearful person in your life? Oh, yes. Yeah? Anyone want to share an incident? Share a time. There was lots of talking for no sharing. Is it because y'all are afraid to speak? No. Oh, you're raising your hand? I'm afraid to speak, you know. <laughs> Mine was when my cat's heart attack last year. Oh, I bet. And it's just like, and luckily I was able to go in with him at the emergency, and I was there until about midnight, but the doctors Life went on. Yeah, that would be a scary was thing. Scary, not. I mean, when he was having it, I bet that was. Well, I drove him to emergency, and I ran in. and I said, "My husband's having a heart attack." And they all just—they all well, because we had we had called his doctor and said that if it didn't get better, it may be a heart attack. And so everybody just kind of parted ways. <laughs> Even the lady up there signing in, she. Oh, that was good. It, yeah, everybody was. Yeah. Anyone else want to share? I was just thinking about what you said about how we run and hide with something that's safe and familiar. 
And I was telling Corey, you know, when my son died, I got the call probably about two o'clock in the morning. And all I could think of is I want to go to my dad's. And so Tom, my husband called um, Kathy, my, my stepmom, and he said, we're on our way. All she wants is her dad. And I was thinking, you know, that's what we should do with God is that when these things happen. All we want is our dad. All we want is our dad. Yeah. Stop it. Don't make me cry. <laughs> Cut it out. Anyone else need to share something? Is that your hand, Sharon, or is your nose itching? <laughs> well, when my husband died, I was at home, and he was not at home. And I had, there was a knock on the door, and it was a policeman coming to tell him my husband was dead. And I wanted my daddy. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That's who I called. Yeah. Well, I think I'm like those sheep that, like, so I was thinking about, like, when I had my accident, telling her. Yeah. Don't remember, didn't know, just follow, or, like, even afterwards, you know, just to see where, see where I'm going, you know, and just follow whoever's trying to show me, you know. Yeah. So, like, the sheep, you just stay in the little huddle and go, you know. But I have a, a big family support, so... Well, I was, I was telling Linda that um, a lot of my fear has to do with control. And if I don't feel like I have control, then I get real fearful because I don't, and I don't trust people often. You know, it takes a while for me to be able to trust you. And one of the things, the district that I worked for in Phoenix, um, I was a principal at a big school and they would want me to go recruiting or they would want to send me to a conference. Well, I cannot stand to fly. I'm so afraid to fly. And I mean, for a while I took medication to get on the plane. If I even drove through the airport, I started crying. I mean, I did not like to fly. And um, so the medication helped, um, but I was afraid to take the medication then. So I told my husband, I have to take it before I fly to make sure I don't freak out and do something weird on the plane. And um, it was so mild. I mean, it just, it helped a little bit. And then I thought, I don't want to do this. I want to, you know, but I would make all kinds of excuses not to. It was the weather. It was the, this, well, the last time they wanted to send me, I broke my foot the day before and I didn't have to go. And I, I don't think I did that on purpose, but boy, I was kind of glad that that foot (laughs) broke. And I didn't have to get on that plane. And I would sabotage myself. You know, I would sabotage things to that whole wanting to kind of get to that safe place, go back to that safe place where you end up sabotaging things around you so you don't have to do it. But I am going to tell you about a recent thing that happened. And um, Kim told me this was my new testimony. So... um, I had to go to the dentist. Now, I don't know how you all feel about the dentist, but my husband goes to sleep at the dentist. You know, he thinks that's so relaxing. I'm like, what planet did this man drop off of? So um, they had told me, it's probably my next fear next to flying would be the dentist. And the only thing that kind of helps me overcome that is the thought of being toothless is, 
kind of keeps me going to the dentist because I'm pretty sure I'd be really hideous if I didn't have my teeth. So I, he's gonna, so I had to go. They're going to clean my teeth. So you think that's not too bad, but they told me that one tooth had to get a deep cleaning, right? So I don't know what that means, a deep cleaning. What does that mean, you know? I mean, what are my fears of the dentist? Well, you know that they're going to have a drill, and they're going to sneeze, and it's going to go through my cheek. Or they're going to give me a numb shot. It's going to go down my throat. My whole throat will numb up. I won't be able to swallow or breathe. You know, that's what's going to happen. And my dentist, that one time he told me, boy, you have a very active mind that you would even think those things. So anyway, I scheduled this appointment last May. And then I canceled it all the way until this last week. So every time I would come a week before I'd have to go, I would call. It was the wind. It was the weather. I had a really bad cough. Well, you know, I can whip up a cough in no time. You know, use that cough scenario, you know, and everybody's afraid of COVID. So I never said I thought I had COVID because I never did. But I thought, well, they'll hear this cough and that'll scare them all away. And they actually called twice to rearrange. But finally, and Gilbert goes with me a lot, either to the dentist or the doctor, so that I won't pack up and leave, that I'll stay. And so he was going to go with me to the dentist, and I told him, no, I can do it, I can do it, I don't need you to go. So I go, and I tell him, don't make me stay here too long, else I'll leave. And so they got me right away back into the chair, and the girl comes in real sweet, and she's, I tell her I'm not a good patient. She says, oh, you're going to be fine, as she's laying out her instruments of torture. I see them, right? And... Um, she does my teeth, it cleans them, and it's not like no big deal. She said, we're, not, we're just going to do a regular cleaning. We're not going to do any kind of deep cleaning today. We'll do a regular cleaning. So she does it all, and I don't know if she's using some new thing that's throwing water all over my face. We get done, and I said, do I need to make an appointment now for the deep cleaning? I'm thinking, that will never happen. And so she says, oh, no, I did it. She said, um, I did the deep cleaning, and you did great. You were amazing. I said, that's what you have to do. And I've figured out that's what you have to do. Don't tell me too much information. And then I, but, you know, should I be that afraid of the dentist? But it is one of those kind of petrifying fears that, that I can get. Um, so the point of my whole story is that I understand that kind of debilitating fear. It's not so much the fear that I see David having up there, but it is the kind of fear I see some of the other disciples having. Um, I read that fear not is in the Bible like 365 times or more. You know, I think someone said that the other day too. You could have a do not fear every day of the week, every day of of the year, I mean. But so the Lord must give us an antidote for fear, right? There must be something there that's an antidote. Um, when David wrote the Psalm um, 27.3, he was actually in exile and being hunted by Saul at that time. And so I think, well, how, how did David so confidently say Though an army besiege me, and my heart, my heart will not fear. 
though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. I mean, I had to like drum up confidence to go to the dentist, you know? And yet here are these, someone like David, where it was like 3,000 of Saul's men against one, you know, David and his little ratty band of whoever was following him around, you know, that, and yet he could speak with confidence. Um, if you look at Psalms 105.4, which I'm going to try to pull up here. Psalms 105.4, it says, Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. And I'm thinking, you know, if I'm seeking his presence continually, I don't think I can fall into that kind of debilitating fear. If I'm always seeking his presence, I don't think David closed his eyes to the circumstances. I think he saw that there were men there, but I had read someplace, and they didn't have, know who they attributed this to, that when you have you plus God, it equals a majority. So it didn't matter how many Saul's men had, but if there's you plus God, you've got the majority. Um, and there's, there's uh, you know, stories in the Bible where, you know, they looked out and they saw all of those out there, the hordes out there that were there to protect them. And don't you think that happens to us like every day, that God has those around us every day? Um, the other one I looked at was Mark 4. 35, if you want to turn there, or you can listen to me if you don't. What was it Mark 4.35. And I'm actually going to read this, this part a little bit. It says, On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let's go across the other side. So before that day, before they crossed over to the other side, Jesus is talking to them all about parables and, you know, just doing this awesome teaching, teaching the word of God to them. And then it says, and leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the winds were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, like my husband asleep at the dentist's office, you know? And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. So it kind of made me say, ah, chick, chick, there it is. So faith is one of the things that's an antidote to, to fear. You know, the more you know him, the more you're seeking his face and that faith in him. Those are all antidotes to fear. Those will be the things that'll keep you from running like the sheep or, or, falling over like the goats, you know, because you, you're seeking his face. Um, 
And I also think that it's not just having, you know, he's teaching them about um, the word of God and what it means, but it's not just having that head knowledge of God that we need. He then is going to take us to a place where we're going to have to practice it. I'm so thankful he lets me practice at the dentist office with cleaning my teeth instead of practicing, you know, in some of the other situations that people are faced with. You know, those would, those would be really hard places. You know, like the people in Ukraine, you know, with bombs falling around you and you're trying to gather your children and maybe you don't even know the Lord. You know, those would be such horribly scary places. Um, I was really happy to see that the Lord was the master of weather conditions because that's another thing on my fear list or weather conditions. So now I have something to go to. Lord, you do calm the seas. You are in control of weather conditions as well, Lord. Um, hey, Susie, I wrote down, faith is trust in the face of uncertainty. Oh, I like that. Why don't you write that one up here for me? She's got good teacher handwriting too, I'm sure. <laughs> Say it again, Carol. Faith, faith is trust in the face of uncertainty. And I could put in there, faith is trust in the face of lack of control for me. So know that sometimes those things will come to us. It's not because God is punishing us. It's not because we've done something wrong. But we need a place to practice that faith. And it's funny, the things, you know, I had one of my superintendent down in, our, in my old district, he had said to me, I had, I had melanoma, and he said to me, is that the scariest thing someone's ever told you? And I said, no, not even close to the scariest thing someone's ever told me. You know, and I think those things do build your faith when they tell you you have that. You know, I thought, gosh, just a few years before that, they told me I had breast cancer. You know, and a few years before that, they told me my son had died. And a few years before that, my mom died. And so, you know, there are things, and all those things you can look back and you can see the hand of God just holding you. And I know he'll do it at the dentist, too. And he'll do it if I have to get on a a plane. You know, I think he gives us those times that we can practice having that faith and being women of faith because those are going to be the things that um, are going to propel us forward and not send us scattering backwards when we can build that faith. When I think with Ricky building faith, that's my son. And... uh just all diff- different things, situations he can get himself into with alcohol. And I would just make myself crazy in my head thinking, you know, just not knowing where he was at and crying and everything. And so I remember as I learned to trust God and trust God and, you know, have faith that, you know, he's going to take care of him. And if he should die, 
what's the worst he's gonna it's gonna go be with Jesus, you know? And I think just trusting in that and knowing in that they I was arriving home, police cars everywhere. Um, he had wrecked his motorcycle and they were airbacking him and the, the airbag where the helicopter parks is just across the street. So that, you know, he just provides and so I, as I remember, you know, going over there trying to find out what was going on, they were going to take him. They didn't know if he had a head trauma. That's why they were airbacking him out. And just knowing that God, God was going to take care of it. No craziness in my head. No, you know, crying and just trust, just trust. Definitely, I know for myself, I've gotten better, you know, at not being so afraid. And it is, it's, it's saying, it's telling yourself, what is the worst that's going to happen? You know, my Lord is in control. My Lord has this. I mean, not that I couldn't be like the disciples and, you know, be saying, we're going to perish, Lord, we're going to perish. Um, one of the things I read, it says, the greater danger is when we fall to fear, is that unbelief starts to grow in our hearts. And that that is a bigger problem, is what's in us not what's around us. So that fear is kind of the antithesis of, of faith. When we have faith, fear can't live in that. And you know that sometimes when I'm in that crazy place, it's hard for me to remember it. You know, so I have to really pray, you know, and keep myself in that constant place of prayer so that I can remember that. Do you guys have that problem sometimes? You go running off like the sheep and, and you forget who's in control? Yeah? Yeah, we go four wheeling and I get fearful and I go, okay, God's done the wheel. <laughs> I'm so impressed that you're going. Me <laughs> too. Super impressed. Yeah. Um, in your um, judges that you told us, God is with you, mighty warrior. I have to remember that, huh? That should be our memory verse for us this, this week. It's in um, judges that you told us. Six eleven. God is with you, O mighty warrior. Verse twelve. So next week, I'll be asking you ladies, what is our memory verse? God is with me. I'm a mighty warrior. The Lord says, God is with you, mighty warrior. I think back, my sisters and I have all had huge fears, and they came down right from my mom. And, and I still remember one day, all of us were in Belize for my daughter's wedding. And we were out on a boat, and we were going out to see the to see um, these certain areas where they were taking us out. And we were going to go scuba diving and, uh, and snorkeling. And they took us to this place called Shark Ray Alley. And they would chum the water, and the sharks would come in. <coughs> and do you know who the first three people in the water were? <laughs> All three of us were the first ones that jumped in. And it, you know they were nurse sharks. They were they were. They weren't aggressive sharks, but they were still sharks. And I thought, how brave all of us are. You know, and I remember my dad sitting up on the deck and him saying, 
my crazy daughters, first ones in the water. <laughs> and I remember thinking, we are so brave. Yep. I, said, I told myself those sharks didn't have any teeth. I was good. <laughs> I was good. I got this. Those sharks don't have teeth. Yeah, they skipped the dentist. That's right. They didn't go to the dentist. <laughs> oh, my goodness. One last thing I said. Oh, I know the other thing I read was, faith is what allows you to set your foot on your destiny. I mean, and don't we all want that? To, to be in the, the destiny that the Lord has for us? And that faith allows us to put our foot on that destiny. And I know that that is my desire. I want to be in the place God wants me to be. And when I, when I read that, it made me feel like that whole star, star Trek, you know, Pat, to boldly go, where no man, no man has gone before. No because, <laughs> you know, Pat and I are going to go boldly this year. We are. Boldly. And if we have faith, we can go boldly. What else did you guys find? That's, that's kind of what I found about fear and the thing the Lord has been kind of leading me through in the last few years to not be so fearful. Anyone have something to add to that? Something the Lord has been dealing with you on fear? I have a fear of not controlling situations. Yeah. Like and a lot of times it's just minor situations. <coughs> things, you know, that might happen that evening or, or things with the kids. And I've just gotten to the point, you know, where it doesn't be any good to worry. So I just sit down and pray and turn it over to God. And then I I have this peace. And so many times, things I worry about never happen. Well, it's such a waste of time. It is a waste of time. And, Jamie, I've heard you on our prayer chain or on our um, online Bible studies say something to that effect so many times, you know, that where you've just learned. And I don't know if it's because of the things you've gone through medically that you've been able to just say, I have no control over that, Lord. I just give it to you. And I've, I've seen you say that so many times. I have to. I mean, in this world, it's just I've seen from family worry that you know where. And, you know, fear, I think, is a thing that Satan uses to try to get our mm-hmm. minds off of something, you know, that the Lord's doing. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't have time for that. So that's why if there's fear, I mean, we're going to worry. That's just normal. We're going to fear stuff. But that's always, I turn it straight over to God because I'm not going to sit there and dwell on it. Mm-hmm. I can't. So what is the thing you learned that makes you, because sometimes I don't even remember to do it. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah, Lord, I forgot you said that. <laughs> Have faith. Turn it over to me. What makes you remember to do that? Just because I've seen people in my past that haven't, and I don't want to be like that. So it's I don't just want to be like that either. For personal, I mean, there's still some stuff that I'm going to worry about, and yeah. you know, that kind of thing, but I'm also going to be praying while I'm worrying and telling Satan to back off, because yeah. it's not worth wasting your time on something you can't fix. Right. Well, verse 4, you know, Psalm 27, 4. One thing I ask of the Lord that I will seek, you know, and that I may dwell in his house. So just staying close to him. Staying close, seeking his face. Before the crazy takes over. Before the crazy takes over. Satan's trying real hard with that right now, so. Yeah. Yeah, we have to give it up a lot. (laughs) 
Yeah, and that sounded pretty good. Yeah, it is. That's every day. <laughs> it's sounding good. Yeah. Well, so many things. There isn't anything we can really do other than that. It is. Corley, you wanted to share something too about our prayer group. You had told me. Oh, yes. I was. Um, I. A couple weeks ago about my smoking and stuff and you know I, I asked people to pray for me and stuff but this church and the little prayer chain if you're not on it just mighty women of, of prayer and you know steadfastness and and I've seen things happen that when I've asked other people to pray or just different things like that you know not so much maybe it's a, a momentary but I see that this Prayer, prayer women here at, at Porter Mountain Fellowship, they they must be consistent and they're staying on it. And, you know, I'm glad to be a part of this group because I'm learning to do that. Not just say, oh, I'll pray for you and just pray once. Mm-hmm. You know, just continual prayer. So. Our prayer warriors. Well, and, you know, I've had people in my life, um, a girl, that girl that I put on our prayer chain the other day, she was having uh, surgery, and you know she she was so thankful that you guys were praying that I put it on there. And I've had people you know text me that I think you know they're not listening to anything I'm saying, and they'll ask you know can you put me on your prayer chain? Can you have people over there praying? So I know, and I want to encourage you guys to. Just keep up that prayer and keep those journals where you come back and you check on things and do we need to pray a little differently now? You know, and if you ask for prayer, put an update on there of something that happens. So if we need to pray differently, because I know it is a consistent group of women that just really do take it, um, that that is a job that they do. Well, I am going to close us down and we will pray.